welcome back to There Will Be Movies. This is a podcast talking 25 of our favourite movies from a given decade. This is volume 4, the 1980s. This is unbelievably episode 100, When Harry Met Sally. This might be the end of the road for a... Well, it is the end of the road for a while. Uh, a 70s list exists, a 60s list exists, but we're, we're, we're probably done with There Will Be Movies for a while. So we're going to stick... Uh, 100. And as promoted last week, to, to celebrate 100 episodes, Ben and I, for the first time since we started podcasting, are going to record one in person. And we are, in fact, because Ben is right across the table from me. Say hello, Ben Phillips. Hello, I'm here. We've it, It's been years since we've been in the same room together. I think the last time <laughs> we were in the same room together, we were in a pub in Guildford. <laughs> yeah. And, and we've finally done it. We've finally done a movie in the same... Well, we've watched a movie together, and now we are recording a podcast yeah. on said movie. Yeah, so like, we did Scott Pilgrim like in sync watching the movie as like a as like a riff track alternate comment, uh, commentary, and then twice we tried to do this before now and it didn't work out for whatever reason. But yeah, we've gotten in just at the last hurdle on episode one hundred. Uh, but it's double special because not only are we in person, but we have a third person joining us. Ben, would you like to introduce them? Yeah, so uh, we are recording today with my fiance Alex. Hi. Hey, everyone. I've heard a lot about the podcast, mainly through the wall, and only <laughs> hearing most of Ben's side, so it's good to actually be Because you don't support this. me in my endeavours. I don't... mean, I do. I, I tweet, and, you know, but it's like, uh, how it... much do I want to hear of you? <laughs> this is true. We do live together, so there is the issue of, like, you don't want to spend time listening to my voice when I'm not around talking mm. about movies that we probably watch together. I mean, you do talk a lot about movies. I do talk a lot about movies. There was a brief moment in the history of the website where we planned on doing, like, we used to drive to the cinema a lot, and we would, like, talk about the movies afterwards. And I was like, why don't I just record this mm-hmm. and have these be, like, little minisodes that we, like, throw out there as, like, regular little content in between, like, podcast seasons. But the podcast feed was getting so yeah. chock-a-block with, <laughs> with all the content we were doing between, like, we are doing Adventure Time and Veronica Mars and... The, the, the leftovers all like happening yeah. at the same moment in time and everything but it's yeah. just like no one wants to hear our thoughts on like I don't know what was the, the movie that was coming out like around then yeah there's a lot of movies but we normally would bicker in the car so there'd be a lot of bickering <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think you could get away with it now like we've got a little bit less going on audio wise if you two want to keep the keep the podcast flag going <laughs> I mean we did a double bill the other night we did Bones and All and we did Strange World yeah very similar films very similar films <laughs> mm. uh, but like I think like, the conversation was still because I lost my earphones inside the cinema seat so that was a yeah uh, but yeah but that is none of the movies that we're here to talk talk about today no we're we're talking when harry met sally of course you know uh a a quintessential rom-com uh you know probably like the formative rom-com i feel like like the rom-com as we know it in the like 90s and 2000s until obviously like it it has died and moved to like streaming only like does not exist without Nora Ephron writing the script for when harry met sally yeah like when when you sort of gently make fun of the tropes of rom-coms you're talking when harry met sally really um and just (laughs) just straight away harry is an insufferable human being (laughs) big big serial killer vibes many times while watching it it's like this it was a simpler time you know just get in a just get in a car with a stranger for 18 hours it'll be fine yeah drive from chicago to new york it's it's that's what you do he has three possessions a duffel bag a sack and a baseball bat you'll be fine don't worry about everyone needs a baseball bat yes you do have a baseball bat i do there you go well before we get just all the way up into it 
uh, was our final stop in 1989, our second and final stop in 1989. We talked Oscars last time. Yes. Benjamin, would you like to run us through some money for context? I'll vamp for you while you frantically load it up. Oh, it's right there. Okay. So, top 10 movies of 1989, as we always like to do. Yes. Feel free to jump in if you've seen one of the movies. Okay. This, cool. is, this is what we do. So basically just a little bit of fun. So, number 10 at the Worldwide Box Office in 1989 is License to Kill. Yeah. The <laughs> final James Bond movie um, before Brosnan reboots it seven years later. The biggest gap between... So not the other way around? Was there no license then? No, yeah, Live at License to Kill is the second one because License to Kill is oh, when right. he has his he has his license to kill revoked because oh, he's course. going after drug dealers. Of course. And my bad, my bad. Yeah, Miami Vice meets Bond. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the most violent Bond movie. Benicio uh, just taking it up to twelve. Uh, a guy explodes because <laughs> they put in a high pressure pressure container. <laughs> he um, does do that. Very weird movie. I mean, it's the only movie where Felix Leiter has like an actual role mm. until the 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 Daniel Craig ones because like. His wife is like assassinated at the start of the movie, and yeah. and his legs are eaten off by crocodiles. Have you ever seen Never Say Never Again? No, I've not seen the 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 Sean Connery like remake of Thunderball. Do you know who plays Felix Leiter in that one? Is it, it's not Rowan Atkinson. It is Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> Just trying to blend in as a spy. <laughs> Uh, number nine, a movie that we watched earlier on this year, Ghostbusters Two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My. Second least favourite Ghostbusters movie. Just ahead of the movie starring podcast. Yes, podcast the character. Podcast the character. 1989, the movie that changed animation forever, The Little Mermaid. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, another one that we've watched yeah, fairly recently. True. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids at number seven. Mm. Lethal Weapon 2 at number six. Okay. Uh, number five, Dead Poet Society. A movie <laughs> I feel like you would have suggested for the list. I like it. I'd, I'd not so much I'm like going to stump for it to like, yeah, we must push out, do the right thing to do Dead Poets Society. Uh, number four, a movie that we actually talked a lot about a few weeks ago on the Die Hard episode, Look Who's Talking. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, the person who's talking is Bruce Willis. Yes, yes it is. Very good at it. Uh, number three, Back to the Future Part 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, my least favourite, Back to the Future. Yeah. I know you're, you were like, when we watched the Back to the Future movies, Alex, were like... This might be my favourite Back to the Future, but I think you've yeah, changed. Well, I don't know, because the third one used to be my favourite when I was a kid. I don't know why. Interesting. You love cowboys. Apparently I do, yeah. <laughs> but then, like, yeah, as I've got older, like, number one is, like, quintessentially amazing, yeah. like, in every right. But also I kind of like number two as well, because it's got kind of all that, like, technological future aspects to it, and seeing how seeing how much of that has actually changed over time and whether some of those things have actually come to life and it's just... Biff yeah. did become president. He did. For four years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think it was around 2015. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number two, uh, Batman. Right. A movie which you have discussed. I have. Good old, good old Michael Keaton. Uh, and then number one, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It's a good right. film. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Love Sean Connery. Love Sean Connery. Yeah. Only good. the penitent man may pass. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, but the movie we're talking about today is number 17 on the list. $92 million at the worldwide box office. 92 of that coming from the domestic. A measly 175 coming internationally. Um, obviously, the numbers is not like... There's obviously some information mm. missing. I do doubt that when Harry Met Sally made one, a merely $135,000 yeah. at the international box office. But... Yeah, the numbers go. It's pretty bad when you go back further than like ninety-five. It's it's still better than fucking box office mojo and all that's gone wrong there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's what nineteen eighty-nine looks like. I mean, only seventeen seems 
it seems so low uh, on the list. But I mean, still so much higher than any rom-com has a chance of doing oh, yeah. these days. It's depressing. Like, why aren't we making these anymore? Well, I mean, like, isn't the pitch, and obviously, like, it's the thing that's floated around, and um, part of me is like, I would like to see this, but also, like, it's kind of a travesty that we have to suggest this. But you've got the the pitch that, like, Marvel should make a rom-com. Yeah. Um, and, like, do it based around, like, Peter and Peter and MJ or something I, like that. Like, and, I've been saying that on this podcast network for, like, what feels like forever now. They should just make a goddamn movie where, like, you never see him being Spider-Man. You see him, like, suiting up to leave the apartment. You see him returning from being Spider-Man. And it's just about those two. And, like, let me see date night. Let me see them trying to have a dinner party. Like, you know, show me the relationship or something. I mean, couldn't that be a thing in the fourth one? I mean, him yeah. trying to remind her of who he is. Yeah. I just, I just think they're terrified to not... You can't not have web swinging. You can't yeah. not have explosions, like... Like I give me a give me a special give me a Valentine oh. you know they're doing these um, you know the Guardians holiday special they did Werewolf by Night like give me Valentine's Day starring Tom Holland and Zendaya like I mean they can't but like you know no. something I mean, like that like if yeah. you if you're gonna be a coward about what you put in theaters like at least use this platform where you have complete carte blanche do anything you want just give me a little fucking three act play with these two charming people but yeah they they don't make them anymore like Hollywood is sexless you know and... I will I will say the, the rom-com that comes to mind is the one that I really liked from the last few years was Plus One okay. um, which I th- was on Netflix it's not a Netflix movie yeah. but it, like, it, it's a really sweet like two people keep on inviting each other as their plus ones to weddings and okay. obviously like fall in love throughout the course of it does and... that star Meg Ryan's son it does it's Jack Quaid <laughs> <laughs> it's Jack Quaid as the, as the lead go. romantic interest and then it's one of the girls from, from Pen15 mm-hmm. uh, as the other romantic interest it, it's really nice and charming it sounds like a better version of that Emma Roberts like holiday I think it was called you watched yeah, that I watched it it I was, was not mine no bueno no bueno no, I, think, <laughs> I think I was watching something else in the other room and I came in and you had like like 30 minutes left and well I don't judge me for watching this yeah. <laughs> well, you've, like, got, you've got to give it a shot like yeah. every now and then and like yeah and like the, there was the um the Christmas movie with Kristen Stewart. Oh, Isn't Happiest it? Happiest Season? Oh, Happiest Season, yeah. yeah. I had such high hopes for it. And Ooh. I just found it so bitterly disappointing. I was like, oh, we're doing a rom-com? We're doing a gay rom-com? We're doing a Christmas gay rom-com? Come on. I mean, both both the gay rom-coms, like Bros and Happiest Season, are both kind of bogged down with the... Mm. Happiest Season less so, mm. because Happiest Season doesn't have a subplot about running a New York gay museum and like being mm-hmm. the, the front of like the, the entire gay culture in New York. But Happiest Season's got the unfortunate thing of being like what if the central conflict of this movie was outing someone for Christmas and it's like if you're gay and want to have like a light fluffy rom-com you don't want the conflict to be potentially the worst and like most traumatic thing that could possibly happen in your entire life that's because like the only way that like straight people will swallow down a a film about gay people is if it's gay pain you know it's got to be the torture thing but this was a simpler time uh this was just let's put two charming people on screen and watch them fall in love for an hour and a half. And they don't know they're in love, but we do. We've known they're in love. <laughs> Not in the car journey. Uh, that is a disaster. But from basically the first time they meet again, we know they're in love and they don't. And simple. And it fucking works. And Nora Ephraim is crushing it. 
uh, you two went on an aura from Odyssey, yeah. didn't you? You skipped some of them, because some of them are like deeply, deeply weird movies. Like Nora well, Ephron... Not everyone is as deeply committed to like, <laughs> setting a task for themselves. Oh, yeah. Setting in the Google Doc up, schedule it, get, you know, when is this one happening? And seeing it all through. I admire it. It just could never be me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many Nora references did you draw me? You draw me through the big ones, didn't you? So yeah. you, we did Her- When Harriet Sally together, which obviously mm-hmm. she wrote but didn't direct because Rob Reiner directed this one. Yeah. But it's like, this is the script that put her on the on the map she obviously has two more with Meg Ryan with Slippers in Seattle and You've Got Mail yep. mm-hmm. um, and then I think you skipped out until we got to uh, Julie and Julia yeah so those are the four that you did so yeah. you missed out on like the deeply deeply weird ones and you missed out on like the the abominations of movies you were there for like all of my mum's favourite films <laughs> which is your which is your favourite all good of, films well of the, films. of the three that she directed or that you watched which was your favourite oh okay so there's Sleepless in Seattle you got mail you got mail and Julie, Julie and Julia, Julia. um Oh, I don't know, because, like, Sleepless in Seattle is great, but it's also, like, kind of stalkery. Yes. That's the remake of, um, I'm going to say, it's, really old. It's my dad's favourite film, like, and I get it. It's, it's a very sweet film. I used to love the Julia and Julia film mm-hmm. when I was younger, but that was more I wanted to get into food blogging. Nice. And Meryl Streep, just the most oh, ridiculous yeah. voice you've ever heard in your but life. But one of the best touches of the tooch you can possibly find in the movie. Oh, yeah. like, he's a really hot husband in that movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so you've got mail. I have issues with because you've got mail is like on the verge of the internet, and obviously it's all about big box chains taking over little independent places. And obviously, in the kind of twenty years since that movie, or twenty five years since that movie, little, like little independent bookshops have taken over more than more than anything. Mm-hmm. But Amazon has successfully killed chain bookstores. They've gone oh, yeah. full circle. They've opened physical bookstores. Yeah. I was like, what? This is how you started. But it is weird to watch this movie where like, the central conflict is like, uh, we're up against the big bad corporate entity of the big bookshop that's going to squash our like tiny business. Meanwhile, the other central conflict of the movie is told over email and is like, the mm. spectre of like the real thing that's going to destroy bookstores is like, hanging in there in, yeah. the, in the mm. outside. But yeah, you didn't watch like, Mixed Nuts. Um, you are you were in the room cooking? You were in the room in cooking the room. that night, and you yeah. were just like watching my face react to everything going on in that movie. Is that the Christmas one? Yes, it's the Christmas oh, yeah. one. That's like way too dark. <laughs> um, and then you didn't watch Michael, which was the John Travolta John Travolta Angel movie. Yes, have seen. Um, what did you think of it? <laughs> I think it's weird. <laughs> yes, but in like a charming way. Okay. Lucky Numbers, which is again John Travolta and uh, she likes she Lisa likes. Kudrow. Lisa Kudrow <laughs> winning the lottery, but again, it's a little bit too dark. Bewitched is an abomination oh, on yeah. like every single level. It's Will Ferrell, is Will Ferrell and Nicole, Nicole Kidman? Kidman. Yeah. Uh, not good. Like that's the one that made people go like, "Is Nicole Kidman talented? Like should we <laughs> should we respect Nicole Kidman as an actress?" Yes, and then she bounces back, obviously, yeah. with Julia with Julie and Julia before her untimely death mm. uh, earlier on this decade. But yeah, she obviously a fantastic screenwriter. I I feel like she's very good at balancing the the sugary sweet and the dark and sometimes when she lets one of them take over a movie yeah. it like it it kind of curdles a little bit mm. and and this is kind of the ultimate example of at various points in this movie Harry and Sally are both unrepentant arseholes <laughs> are like one more than the other one, yeah. one more than the other Harry is a detestable human <laughs> being every Every interaction is, here's why you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not a way to conduct yourself. Nope. <laughs> um, and you just, look, I know they say at the end, 
you know, they got married in three months and, oh, they're happily ever after. You know that's not going to go well for them because you know, you know when they're having sex and she pulls out the vibrator, he's going to get the hurt, bu- the hurt bunny look, you know? He's going to be like, oh, well, I, I've got it. And, yeah. He's just, he's a certain type of man. Yeah. And... I mean, you, the hurt bunny look is there in obviously the most famous scene in the movie where he's yes. like, like, oh, every woman I know has, yeah. done, has done this. Yep, just, just penetration alone. But she <laughs> annihilates that scene. And she does. Amazing. She's so good in that. Uh, she's so good throughout. And mm. we were talking about, you know, what tragedy with Meg Ryan and what happened with her. Like, you know, huge, huge fucking star and then just cast out to the woods. Yeah. Like, uh, like her and Goldie Horn are the two that yeah. I think of of just like the biggest decades in films and the biggest stars in the world um, obviously both have also beget some of the biggest stars of the future of Hollywood uh, but both of them just like completely fall off a cliff in terms of their actual like overall fame I mean I, I think saying falling off a cliff implies it was an accident was a targeted rejection yeah the thing with Meg Ryan is, is, is that is so tragic because obviously she has this 90s where she is like the queen of rom-coms like mm. this kicks off a run we discussed Remember that Big Ryan earlier on this miniseries with Top Gun, where she, like she is not famous yeah. in a movie yeah. that comes out in 1986, like a few mm. years before this. Mm. And then by the time this movie comes out, obviously she's on the verge of becoming like the biggest star on the planet. Yeah, her and Tom Hanks, the chemistry between them is obviously I, I, right. Question for both of you. <laughs> okay, who has better chemistry, Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan, or Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks? Oh, that's really hard to say. I mean, because, like, in Sleepless in Seattle, they don't really interact with each other for a lot of it. Like, True. you don't actually see that on-screen physical chemistry. I would say I, it's difficult. I think they... Because they both have that sort of, like, um, repertoire between both of them in both uh, You've Got Mail and When Harry Met Sally. It's very obvious that Billy Crystal's doing more improvising than yeah. Tom Hanks is. I think I like Tom Hanks more in general, so I'm more like, yeah, go Tom Hanks. But like, uh, Harry may be a dick, yeah. but they do have chemistry. But yeah. They have really good chemistry. <laughs> I they, like watching the Marky. They do the montage at the end of the movie, and it's all the scenes of them just kind of like physically like interacting and stuff like that. And it's like, yeah. oh, yeah. I fully believe that yeah. this is like been bubbling under the surface in every scene that these two if, have had together. If you ignore like most of what he says, <laughs> yeah. you, know, like, you can mean, see it. I don't think it would work in today's society. Like I wouldn't imagine someone like driving another person for 18 hours who they've never met before. Mm. And then also that person being kind of um, disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm dark, man. No, yeah. I'm so dark. No, I think about death for days on end. Like, I'll be ready for it when I die. He is the ultimate example of, like, edgy college student. Yeah, he's who's... an edgelord yeah. little incel, like, is what he is. But the internet doesn't exist, so he didn't get, like, turned to the dark side. Like... Yeah, I think what saved him is he never found a message board <laughs> <laughs> to find like-minded bros. He's just shouting at people in real life and learning some consequences, but... Yeah, you know, we don't have My Favourite Murder yet to caution us from uh, getting in cars with, with strangers. But, but yeah, yeah, like she has she has the 90s. That is, yes. that is so incredible. Yeah. And then... Joy versus the volcano. Yes. So she starts, <laughs> she starts making decisions of like, I want to push myself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. what she pushes herself with is doing a Jane Campion movie. And obviously Jane Campion is... Uh, a director who like is quite obviously sensual. Like I mean, I've said on this podcast, I regret not doing the piano in our in our nineties miniseries. Yeah. I 
And she spent a lot of her 2000s in kind of the doghouse in terms of people not respecting her work. And In the Cut is one of those movies that's had like a huge, huge critical reappraisal in the last few years. It's, it's so far ahead in terms of like feminist politics around sex and assault and whatnot. Uh, you get to see Mark Ruffalo's dick, which is... Uh, <laughs> Very important thing to mention. Yeah, um, more but, men, but, but get your dicks out. But yeah, off, like come on. Meg Ryan, the famous one is obviously Michael Park- Parkinson and Meg yeah. Ryan. That was really hard to watch. Yeah, like it, it's yeah. just because it's like it's it's like putting the entire moral onus on Meg Ryan to be a perfect person and not yeah. push boundaries mm. whatsoever. And it's like you're not sitting down having this conversation with Mark Ruffalo only yeah. ostensibly because you're like Meg Ryan is looked up to by teen girls like but she's done R-rated comedies just the only yeah. thing she hadn't done was do nudity do sex in the way that yeah. she does in this movie like it's, it's it's I mean it's not quite like this but it's like you know f- for however long Britney Spears lived under this conservatorship oh, yeah. and then she she's free of it and she gets naked on Instagram <laughs> and like you've destroyed like morality for all these young girls like, she is a fucking 40 year old adult woman who yeah. can do what she wants like leave her alone yeah, like, in the cut is, like, a punchline for, like, a decade. I think it's a huge part of, like, Knocked Up when they're starting their, like, When a Celebrity's Naked website. And just, yeah, and it just destroys her, and it sucks. Because, yeah, like, Mark Ruffalo's the fucking Hulk, and Meg Ryan is Jack Quaid's mum. Like, I mean, Mark Ruffalo did also have that like weird thing where like obviously he had brain cancer, he had to recover from, yeah. and disappeared for a few years, yeah. and then he comes back and does the rom com run yeah. afterwards, mm. where like fuck a ghost, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a rite of passage in rom coms. Someone has to fuck a ghost. Uh, so, like, before we dive into the movie, mm. whole hog, uh, just Mark Ruffalo's whole hog. Mark, Mark Ruffalo's whole hog. <laughs> uh, where where did we first see this movie? I, it's one of my favorite questions to ask, but is like, is this like? Because obviously your dad loves Slips in Seattle, doesn't he, Alex? Yeah. But I don't really think that there was much of When Harry Met Sally when I was younger. Like, So it, it was purely Slips in Seattle. It wasn't like he was doing, like, we're going to do You've Got Mail, we're going to do... Like, I remember seeing bits of, like, You've Got Mail. It was more like you'd see it on TV and, like, if it was on, you'd watch it and that sort of thing. But, yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I grew up on a lot of rom-coms um, and action films, so it was a perfect mesh of... Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no... Um, I don't know when I actually first came across When Harry Met Sally. But I, I know, knew it was one of the key films yeah, to watch. I know it's one of those ones where like, Channel 4 will do the documentary of like the, the 50 greatest comedy scenes of all time. Mm. And you know exactly what scene they're playing. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's always in like the top 10. I think I probably... I think, yeah, as I said, like, my mum, huge, huge fucking fan of, of Tom Hanks, of rom-coms, of, you know, all these movies we've just said, and I think I probably would have seen bits and pieces of her watching it, and I don't know if she would have intentionally prevented me from seeing the fake orgasm scene, but I feel like I saw most of the movie separately from that, and then became aware of that memetically, this, you know, yeah, this iconic scene, where is her Oscar? Uh, I mean, am I going to have to get that up? Who is up for lead actress in 1990 yeah, I think the we Oscars? Did talk yeah. about it briefly, but I guess yeah, we were skipping over that. But yeah, uh, it, it's it's one that's on TV constantly. Yeah. Like I'm sure there is a like 3 p.m. cut where she doesn't quite fake an orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a couple of f bombs in there, but you can yeah. you can edit around that and make a version. But like, yeah, it's just it's indelible and I, I can't remember having not seen it yeah. if that makes sense or have you got a specific no I mean I, 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 it's obviously one of those ones that like it's again it's it's on TV an awful lot you just kind of pick it up it's it's 
thrown around in the culture. I've always been obsessed with Rob Reiner's career because it is such a weird, like the hot run of Rob Reiner's career. And yet you didn't watch Princess Bride until like two That is true. Whoa. Shocking, yeah. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, let's start the bullying. <laughs> right, what? Princess Bride's a great movie. Yeah. Okay. I did not watch Princess Bride until after I saw Once Upon a Deadpool, which I think is like... I know, right? <laughs> What a weird thing that we did to go see Once Upon a Deadpool. That was a great... I loved those inserts into that film. That was brilliant. Oh, Fred Savage. Yeah. Okay, well... Yeah, yeah, I mean, Princess Bride was a difficult one to keep off the 80s list. Yes. It, it's... Yeah, we set the rules. Day one of the podcast, one film per director, mm. has hurt us many a time. Uh, Rob Reiner is a heavyweight, though, so... Yeah, like, cause we, we, we've done Rob Reiner in the 90s series. We did A Few Good Men. And I think that was like an obvious one because it gives us Sorkin a famous, a favourite uh, talking point for us on this podcast. You're welcome, um, everyone. We will not discuss the newsroom on this week, despite having two people who like the newsroom here. Yeah, it's great. Hell yeah! <laughs> no. Alex and I are going to start our own podcast. <laughs> yeah. When Alex needed to be on the broadcast news episode where we were just yeah. discussing the oh, newsroom. I, I love that film. That's that so film good. Great. I had never seen it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Me neither. Yeah. But yeah, so like Rob Reiner's eighties is this is Spinal Tap. Yes, it goes to eleven. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> pretty iconic. Uh, the Sure Thing in nineteen eighty five, which is kind of like the one outlier in this kind of like early run in terms of like not being heralded as like one of the all time greats in the genre that it is. Stand by Me in nineteen eighty six, mm. which obviously is they find a dead body. <laughs> they sure do find a dead body, and is like the start of that run of like adapting Stephen King short stories. Yeah. Uh, for like a dollar and all the rest of it. <laughs> uh, Princess Bride, again, a fantastic movie. I'm sure Matt would have got some good wrestling anecdotes out of discussing Andre the Giant. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then, of course, he ends his 80s with the movie that we're discussing now when Harry met Sally. Again, I, I think the outsized imprint this leaves on other movies is why you, you go with this over Princess Bride. Yeah. Like, Princess Bride is like a fairly singular yeah, movie. But it, it's very quotable. Yes. It's, it's more of a big thing in America. It's huge in America, the mm. Princess Bride. But I think when Harry Met Sally has more of a, even though it didn't do well internationally, has a huge <laughs> impact on the international slash rom com side of it. But yeah, this is this is the rom com as we said at the top of this. Mm. But it is interesting. Like that is five movies I just listed, all mm. of them in different genres. Four of them are well, three of them are incredibly quotable. I don't think Stand by Me's got that many like like resinger quotable lines in it. No, but like I think you can picture it in your head. Quite oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the I boys can picture walk... the, uh, the the train poster, tracks. boys yeah. on the train tracks, and everything like that. Yeah, misery, few good men, North American president goes to Mississippi, and then just like fucking tanks. Yeah. Uh, he did invent the phrase the bucket list, though. Did he? That's the bucket weird. list. The movie is where the phrase the bucket list originated from. So the no. script that yes. can't be right. Yeah, no. This is this is a well-known internet thing where like people go like, no, I heard the phrase "bucket list" before the bucket this list. Is this the Mandela effect? We all just we all think we've heard it before. Yeah, really. Justin Zachman uh, came up with the phrase "bucket list," and like even if you look online and you do like Google Trends, Google has no record of the bucket list before like the trailer for the bucket list ended up online. Incredible. Okay. But like, I thought that like no, I definitely heard the bucket list before yeah. I was like fifteen years old, but apparently not. So what would it have been called back then? I don't think it existed as a terminology. No, it definitely didn't. <laughs> Just a list of things to do before you die. And then someone mm. called it the bucket list and it's and it's become this thing. Yeah. But like that might be the movie that exists the least with the most influence over like the way that we speak. Yes. Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson. Yeah, oh god, that's quite that's quite a duo and no one's fucking seen it. Mm. And yeah. Yeah, but I mean 
not many directors get this many big movies, especially in a row. And so early in the non their career. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, what he is, he is currently 75 years old, born in 47. So he would have been 42 when he directs this movie. So he's, okay. he's directing in his 40s. But obviously, he he's an actor first and foremost, Rob Reiner. Yeah. Like he starts out in All in the Family in like nineteen seventy one. So like he's 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 young on that, and then transitions into directing. Has this hot shit fifteen years, <laughs> and then after that, it's like he still acts occasionally. Like he's fun as um, Jesse's dad on New Girl is the one that I always remember oh, seeing yeah. him in. Uh, but yeah, like just an interesting career yeah. he had. Yeah. Yeah. Always fun to see him pop up. Him. Yes. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean. It's, do we just dive in? Let's just uh, dive in. Okay, so yeah, I mean, we, we start with just... So just to get this out of the way, Billy Crystal, 12 years older than Meg <laughs> um, in this movie, and never is that more apparent than when they are both trying to play 21-ish, and that man has crow's feet. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a 40-year-old man. He is wearing a hairpiece. Yeah, you but can tell. They're both wearing hairpieces. <laughs> yes, but like... <laughs> Yeah, either well, unless unless this movie was shot over the course of like two it's years, like <laughs> and they were letting Meg Ryan like she started out with really long hair, and they just slowly cut it over the course of the movie. Yeah, mm. no, I, I think both a series of hair pieces, but yeah, um, Billy Crystal trying to pass for twenty one, not not convincing at all. <laughs> he said like you know his girlfriend is friends with her; they're both moving to New York to get jobs. So why don't you share a car ride? Eighteen hours, take shifts, and he's just insufferable from the work go. Oh, yeah. and just judging her for everything. What's your least favorite thing that he said? Oh, okay. Um, it, it's not like something I hate, but it's just like the things that he raises, like men and women can never be friends. And I'm like, do people think that? Oh, like, oh people think that. Yeah. It's and unfortunate. It, it, it feels like something that you would hear in high school, like when you're like a young teenager. Yeah. You wouldn't expect to hear that like... I mean, coming from a 40-year-old man, but like, <laughs> <laughs> like a 22-year-old or whatever. Like, I think it's more those things. And then you, when I'm watching it, I'm like double-taking. I'm like, wait, is that true? And then I think that's what annoys me more. But I, mean, I, think, I think you can definitely point to there are guys who think like that and are unable to maintain friendships with women mm. because they're too busy thinking about, like, boy, I really want to... Really How do I swoop in? You know, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh. like, I, mean, I, I know that you've got friends who definitely, like, would if they got the opportunity to. I'm not saying it's all. I'm not saying it's all of them, but I'm saying that there are definitely people that I get the, the vibe from in, I, in that in that sense. I think I think there is a massive difference between like if the circumstances fell a certain way, I would rather than not, and like I am actively predatorily faking friendship and being like, oh, he's no good for you. Maybe we'll have some. <laughs> like I think I think there is a massive layer of, uh, of difference in like how disingenuous you're being and like you think about something like the word attractive a, a, a word people throw around yeah. all the time that literally means I am attracted to them I physically I would like to bang them and there's a there is a grand canyon of yeah and like right how do I make this happen yeah. you know and like you know like if if you are basically faking a friendship and clinging on just yeah. on the, the off chance they get sad like Sally and like right now's my moment which Harry doesn't do um, no, yeah. but like yeah, I think that's the difference is that like, and and jumping way ahead, but like when they're at the batting cages and he's like, oh, you tell us stuff you don't tell me. That's the real problem. He doesn't have any fucking friends at all. He, <laughs> he has male friendship, which is like guarded as shit. Like mm. there's all these walls and there's no vulnerability. And like, there are men like this for sure. And I think it, it was probably me when I was in my 20s. Like, it, it's like women, like 
you can have a more emotional conversation with a woman you can't have an emotional conversation with a man and then like women are for this and then like it's all really sticky and puts hopefully weird. you yeah. grow out of it but like yeah, this man puts, is 40 although he's 20 <laughs> and yeah. it puts weird gender roles onto yes. yeah. women are for this men are for that kind of thing yeah and I, I kind of I could sense her character like getting more and more agitated by him and I could I could realise that because like when I was watching like the car scene like if, if I was sitting next to someone who the first impression they say stuff like that, I'd be like, oh. And then, like, they added and pile onto it and, like, they spit on the window. I'd just Spitting be like, grapes out the window. Yeah, I'd be like, get me the fuck out of here. I don't want to be here. This guy is like. But it's I... just that it's, it's everything. It's not just that. It's any, just anything cool. he says, like, you know what your problem is. Yeah. yeah. Just, oh, you're not doing this right. You know? Oh, you've clearly never had good sex. You've clearly this. You, your problem is this. Your problem is that. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. I do think the beauty of the script, though, is that Meg Ryan. Well, not background. The beauty is that Nora Ephron is able to write this in such a way where, like, there's still chemistry between mm. the yes. two of them, even in spite of the fact that they're both making each other's skin crawl. And you can tell that, like, Harry is so pissed off about mm. the fact that Sally is so, like, uptight and closed off. Like, the eye rolls that he's giving when they're in the diner. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, giving the order of, like... That's probably what I, you're saying, you know, what is the thing he says that annoys you most? It's none of his... I mean, all of his philosophical stuff is... Ah. <laughs> it's how he constantly is like no nothing you know he like gives her a little eye roll or like a little judgment her. and she's like what like, oh no nothing it's like fuck off dude yeah. right? but own in, your bullshit but obviously or... by the end of the movie when like he's doing his love speech and he's like going through all the things that I love about you and he's like you take an hour and a half to order a sandwich yeah. and it's because like I like the crust to be taken off and they need to be tilted 45 degrees to the west um, but if the sun isn't at the right height then <laughs> then I don't want any sandwich at all and instead I want like, I want the chef to whisper a secret to the sandwich <laughs> um, I mean don't we all <laughs> Some fun with uh, leaving the Blu-ray running after we'd finished it. Caught a little bit of the commentary, and uh, yeah, Rob Reiner says this is something Nora Ephraim does, and and like she is very particular about the food. And he's like, no, but you're right. It's it's as it's said later on. It's you're thinking of a better way to serve this sandwich than even the chef thought. <laughs> like, sure, but that is kind of a, like. That waitress, I know that look. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I just want to finish my shit. But yeah, this is not my problem. Yeah. And- you're, you're liable to be spatting your sandwich if you yeah. order it in this yeah. way. So Nora Ephron is married to Nicholas Pileggi at this point. She's not married to Carl Bernstein. But obviously, I think the, the, the legacy is like apparently the, the dinners that she would have with Carl Bernstein were like all of the New York kind of like literati would kind yeah. of come around for these dinners and they would bicker yeah. the entire time that they were having dinner. But they would be trading these secrets and just like the, the banter between the two of them. And it's so obvious that like she's... She is Sally, but obviously kind of like yes. making herself younger and all the rest of it. Like. She's mm. Sally, Rob Reiner is, is Harry. Yeah. And a series of dinners, like pitching the film. And like, she says no at first. She's like, I don't want to do this film. And then like hearing them bitch about being single, him and another producer are talking and like, you know, they're swapping single guy stories and it all ends up being written into the movie. And, and I think what you just said of like, they, they have chemistry despite this they argue well you yeah know? like yeah. They, they have these witty sorkinist i told you we were talking about <laughs> um like arguments where like it's like if you were just watching you're like look at you two go kind of and you know he's obviously saying some some gross stuff that he never really has to like pay a price for because hey it's the 80s but like he does get divorced because his like yeah. wife like super's just like no, mm-hmm. I've never loved you. <laughs> this was a marriage of convenience, but I've fallen in love with a guy who looks even older than Billy Crystal. Yeah. She has a type and a weird voice. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and and even that he's insufferable with because you know obviously they have this this long car ride and like he makes the part. Well, she says he's making a pass at her, and he's like, "No, I can tell you're attractive without you know I'm trying to have sex with you right now." And I guess that's kind of what I was just saying is there's that big difference, and he's trying to argue that point, but I think he is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you know five years pass, and he runs into her at an airport, and she's sucking face with some blonde. That's a, that's a really mm-hmm. intense makeout. Like that, all of them are. Like yeah. the very first one, where it's like, right, we want you to make out with Billy Crystal for like two straight minutes. Um, <laughs> I just mean he's not good at it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just mean like the the sense of like when he's on the plane with her and goes like, oh, I can tell this is the early part of the relationship because you don't take people to the airport if you're not in the early part of the relationship. But I'm also like, surely the like really intense makeout. Like, that feels like honeymoon period, like, relationship yeah. making out, where, yeah. like, oh, we're gone for two weeks, I can't bear to be apart from you, we need mm. to, like... Hold hands like this, not like this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I've never driven you to an airport. I mean, I don't think I've been on a holiday without... Oh, actually, I have. But no, you didn't drive me to the airport. Yeah. No, I didn't. You went, you went to Peru without me. Yeah. Dump him, girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they, they sit together on the... He, is he pretending he doesn't recognise her? They have like long looks because he looks at her first, and she's like, she's like kissing. Yeah, well, that's, that's yeah. the interesting thing. I think that she's seems. trying to avoid recognizing. She recognizes him for sure. Yeah, and she like, just doesn't. Want she's to like hiding under her bangs. I can't tell whether or not he stops because he recognizes her or because he recognizes him. Because obviously he goes like, Joe, how's it going? Yes, they lived in the yeah. same building. Yeah, yeah. But like he keeps on looking at her, and it's hard to tell if it's a I know you immediately or it's him. Trying to place her and he doesn't get it until I, he's on the plane. I kind of read it as he's. Second. I kind of read it as he's kind of fucking with her. Like yeah, he's trying to Possibly. he's trying to play it off like he doesn't remember. See, my her read in front is, of Joe, and then he's like, I know. You. My read is he doesn't get it until he hears her drinks order. Right, and it's the drinks order that goes like, like oh, I can see that. Yeah, this is like you now. I now know where I know you yeah. from. Why do I know someone who orders <laughs> like this? Yeah, I yeah. feel like he knows that. He like when she's like talking or he's talking with the um the Joe guy, like I think he's trying to place her and then like at the very end he's like, I do know you and then yeah. The but the time has got the time has passed, I yeah. Mean. And you oh, can't wait, make that I know you too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and as I was sorry, a little bit of a tangent there, but like when he reveals that he is engaged He's like, oh, well, that's what happens when you fall madly in love. And he'd been, like, lecturing her about love and sex. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I even do love better than you. It's basically how he's doing it. It's just the worst. And, like, you know, obviously that doesn't work out. And, and, and you know, five year, five more years pass. And she assumes that he got married. Um, and he did, but he's divorced. Mm. But, like, yeah, just in everything. Like, he grows up a tiny bit yeah. each time. Like, he apologises. He's a deeply depressed man by the time this second time yeah. job happens. Yeah. When uh, he's chucking cards into a hat. Yeah. <laughs> but we also get to meet the real MVPs of this movie yes. uh, in, in Carrie Fisher and Bruno Kirby, mm-hmm. who obviously don't have scenes together for an awful lot of this movie, but, like, the moment they're in scenes together, it's, like, this great supporting energy that, yeah. like... Mm. normally the best friend character is kind of like literally just there for comic relief but this is the movie where they kind of go like what if the best friend supporting character is also a romantic storyline subplot that we can like play out in this movie mm. and have yeah. them have them espouse kind of like views of critical of love one's in love with a divorcee the other one or not a divorcee the one's involved in an affair and the other one's just is it like the same one each time I feel like it's multiple it <laughs> she just keeps falling <laughs> yeah. for married men married men yeah, yeah. I mean, some people do that. Yeah, yeah, that's very yeah. True. I mean, I mean, 
Yeah, so it time jumps twice, doesn't it? it yes. It's five years later, and then it's five years later. And then, and then we see, in real time. We see sort of a, a long year of them being friends, but just... What do you think has jaded Sally in this time? Because obviously she is still quite, like, high, highly strung in the first two two parts of this. But by the time we get to this second, like, ten years out of college, she definitely is still herself. She's still ordering food in the same way. She's still doing a lot of the things <laughs> that she used to do. But, like... She's less prissy. She's less kind of like self conscious. I'm not sure I'd like these words better. <laughs> no, I just, I just mean, I'm just thinking of like the the conversation they're having around sex. Like her conversation around sex, like, of course I've had good sex. And then by the time she gets into the conversation at Cats' Diner, it's like, no, I've had bad sex and I'm going to be very open about like the bad sex that I've had. I think, and, I think it's him, though. I think it's him feeding it, coming at it from different ways, where he's being like, you've never had good sex in a patronizing way. And then she feels the need to be like, yes, I have. And then he, I can't even remember how they got onto that. But he's like trying to brag well, about how he, good he is. He's talking about he? how good he is. Is and he's just like I'm like after the I made a girl meow scene, <laughs> so they're setting they're setting up that yeah. whole thing yeah. Yeah, at the batting cage. Yeah. You made a girl meow. <laughs> I think it's I think it's working at news, you know, <laughs> at news, <laughs> at the news. Literally, I think they say yeah, yeah. You could work at the news. I I do have a question. Do you guys like think that she is highly strong and like I mean like yes the specific orders is interesting that's a, mo- that's a movie thing though, yeah you know? like we're playing that but, up, but so. like is it would you say that it like that character is supposed to seem like highly strong and difficult and uptight or is I, it more the idea of like seeing a strong female who's kind of like going no i'm not gonna deal with I, your shit i generally airport. assume a default position for any movies especially in the 80s and 90s of like women huh you know like <laughs> I think, look at her ordering a sandwich she's default wrong I, I do right, think that this right. movie it cuts the line purely by Nora from being the scriptwriter of this movie yeah, yeah. and like, I think that that, that lends, uh, lends a level of kind of like realism and softness to like the differences between the men and the women obviously like Billy Crystal's character is worse yeah. no matter what because it's just what men are but like but do you think back in like the 1980s 1990s people would have been like oh no he, he's uh, he's an alright guy I mean maybe he asked a couple of questions unfortunately too... probably yeah. probably I do it's ag- like a generation grew up thinking Ross in Friends is a good guy yeah. <laughs> and he's a fucking sociopath yeah I don't think I don't think any character in all of media has become less of like the romantic lead than Ross in Friends I know I don't know, I could probably think of one or two. Go on. I, not off the top of my head, but there's there's definitely someone like who you're like, oh, really? Them? Just mm. like, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah I, I kind of, obviously I'm not saying it's devoid of a feminine touch, but I, I kind of feel Sally gets a little bit of a shorter shrift mm. than, than Harry. I feel Harry gets to be the, he gets to be right, and that's kind of... Well, that's the thing is, I do agree with his assessment that you are a a <laughs> high-maintenance person who thinks they're low-maintenance. Like, you're someone who... Obviously, those words are, like, incredibly, like, derogatory and kind yeah. of, like, like, there's a level of, like, baggage to them. But I do agree that it's, like, you are obviously someone who you would deny it but you like affection in a very particular way like the fact that she keeps on insisting on calling sex making love is just like all those different things where like she does say fuck at one point she does but yeah. like even when she's like they're talking about like the, the sex that they're having and she's like he's gotten married oh I've not had to, I've not made love with anyone yet I've not done that like she still insists like insists on softening it and Obviously, yeah. it obviously is all worldviews, and I think all the words in this movie are chosen very, very carefully mm. to kind of like set up a character. And again, it's something I think Efron and Reiner and and Meg Ryan and 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 Billy Crystal are doing so well yeah. is that even as these characters are growing older and maturing, each time jump 
feels like a realistic time jump for like the the ways that these characters have changed, but still in line with like they're still the character that they were two previous time jumps, but they do genuinely feel five, ten years older than they were in the earlier scenes. Like their worldviews have deepened or like lot and got like it's their fashion it, has changed. Their fashion has changed, but it's it's sort of like the before movies. He's shaved, he's grown a beard, he's shaved. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like the before movies where like you do genuinely when you watch those three movies, they're all the same characters, it's the same actors, but there is like a different cadence to the ways in which they're talking mm. and reacting to each other that feels very realistic and very lived in and obviously mm. like the the before movies had the benefit of being made nine years apart each time but like yeah. you you think of the conversations they're having in before sunrise versus before sunset and it's like the same level of conversation but they're a lot more interesting when they're 10 years older and aren't like dirty college students kind of like roaming yeah. around yeah, um, yeah I, I don't want to give Harry too much credit because I, I do think like basically right up to the end he has some pretty gross ideas but like he yeah. do, he does grow up a little bit each time and I, I think I think Sally like I feel patronising to say she grows up a bit but like I I think what you were getting at with, with her maybe um, mellowing out a bit I guess would just read as she's just gotten a bit older and she's yeah. Yeah. I, I, the world's beating her up a bit I feel like this, this nowadays if you made this movie it would be like in the first scene she doesn't want to smoke pot but like by <laughs> ten years later she's like you literally just described Greece. <laughs> <laughs> yes women if you want love change everything about yes. yourself <laughs> also I was thinking of like one it, it's not as bad as like Ross in um in Friends but like it, it's the same with like when 500 Days of Summer first came out and oh, everyone no. was like summer is the worst and it's like Actually, no, she's not like, and it, and even I had that like when I was I yeah. was like twelve. Oh, I was, and, and, and twelve. The movie I don't out, know. The movie came out in two thousand nine. All right, so seventeen. Fine, make me sound. And, and, and to, to Joseph Gordon-Levitt's minor credit, because he's gotten himself into a lot of trouble for a lot of things, he is like, no, my character's the, a monster. Yeah. He's wrong. Like, you shouldn't support me, or and you shouldn't hate Summer. Mm. But it's just the language of movies is such as it is that like. There is this assumed position of <laughs> women, huh? You know, and it's it's gross, but yeah. yeah, I mean, they do eventually find a place of friendship, and then it's it's the most lovely stretch of the movie when they're just being friends for yeah. a year. They're like, like super best friends, like them staying up all night to watch Casablanca next to mm. each other and stuff like that, and going for like day dates to like museums it's it's yeah. genuinely really really sweet and I mean was that museum scene all improv like with the, the pepper no, we talk like these, yeah. Yeah, yeah it feels like it like like Billy Crystal is obviously like there is a script the Nora from that's written but I think that script is like Billy Crystal is embellishing and doing a yeah. lot of the stuff that yeah he, he comes to. in and rewrites it makes himself funnier I mean, like, he, very noble work of yeah. <laughs> he is he is a stand up he is someone who is yeah. good at these kind of things and he's adding his neurotic due energy to this movie <laughs> Do you, do you think, for a brief moment, Sally is extending a romantic offer of dinner before he's like, yeah, we could be friends? I think she, she is the one who's going, like, I actually do want to spend some time romantic with this guy. And then she settles into, like, this being a friendship. I think she she starts romantic, gets friendshipy very quickly, but is always kind of, like, hang, holding on to that hope. Which well, is why she initi- initiates the kiss later on in the movie. There, there are several instances where, like... They both think the same thing, but when they hear the other one say it, it's like, oh, it was a mistake. Yeah, it was a mistake. Oh, you think it's a mistake kind of thing. <laughs> and it's a lot of this kind of thing where people just don't communicate well. And like, I mean, I don't know. It might have but just... then I, I, my favourite bit of communication in the movie is like they're having the argument on the steps outside 
the, the, the Carrie Fisher and um, the, Bruno, the awful wagon wheel table the awful wagon yeah. wheel table and they're having the argument and then he turns around and goes like can I just say something quickly and he goes like I'm sorry they yeah. hug and, yeah. like they, and that, it, that's how they've gotten older and wiser right? yeah. or him yeah. it's just it's just a really lovely moment in the movie where it's like yeah. oh like he has you, grown as a person yeah, you've yeah. realised that like an apology right now is the most important yeah. thing to do because you're both on like that like knife edge of and like, that and mm. that, that's coming quicker each time when when they get off the flight he's like oh what's the statue of, uh, on on an apology or whatever yeah. and, and and all that kind of thing and then it comes it gets to that, that and when he's younger he would never apologize no. for anything he doesn't even think he did anything wrong I think. but then I think he kind of goes from one end to completely over the top when it's like near the end where he's trying to I know I'm skipping ahead but like wow, he we, just we kind do of it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he he gets a bit. Not like, well, kind of stalkery behavior, like constantly calling her. And what are you doing? Where are you going? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, okay. <laughs> I'm just leaving you a very casual, nonchalant karaoke voice message <laughs> that I'd practiced three times before I did it. I mean, that is my least favorite rom-com trope, yeah. is that yeah. like every rom-com gets the, the couple... The man to- gets to do the tortured in the rain, like, oh, I'm so lost without her. And like, that's valid for but him. Thing is, I, I kind of wish there was a rom-com. Well, obviously, I understand why they do it, because the rom-com has to have, like... They get together at the start of Act 2, or like the middle of Act 2, something happens. But it doesn't go quite right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they, like, fix the one problem they had with each other and stuff like that. Like, he didn't support her bakery, and now he does support <laughs> her bakery. So specific. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, maybe I'm reading too much into that when because they they run into each other in the bookstore this time, mm. and, yeah. and he's being a creepy stalker. Literally, yeah. stalk, you know, there's someone looking at you. And I was saying, you know, you could easily cut this movie into him being a stalker. But um, <laughs> they get they they have lunch in her home, I think, and then she's like, I, "Would you like to get dinner with me?" Kind of thing. And I just I was like, "Is that actually a like we should?" We should get dinner like romantic people would. I did read it romantically. I did, but I'm sensing from your face, Alex, you didn't. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, there was elements where you could potentially read it in a romantic situation, but maybe mm. I, I kind of felt more like it was like, oh, maybe I should give this guy a second chance to win me over, not necessarily mm. romantically, but to get to know him as a friend. Yeah, she's been like a reluctant friend to him. Like, I think it's like you say, Ben, that like when they're arguing, they have chemistry, but she is also like, now get away from me. Yeah. It's like, like they didn't talk in these five-year periods. And I guess it's more like, okay, we can have the lunch. And like, okay, you passed the lunch audition. I would like you to be a presence in my life. Kind of yeah, thing. I mean, um, I kind of think like, and I'm just like kind of, putting my thoughts onto her character but like mm. I kind of feel like she's partly a hopeless romantic by using the, the words like make love and like and she's very good at like hiding all that but I also think that she would be the one to be like if she wanted to get with him she would make it happen and I guess the inviting to dinner maybe is a potential test but that could also be for friendship so yeah. I mean he, I do, he doesn't read it that way obviously yeah. he's no. like oh yeah we can be friends and well, I like he immediately goes to friendship level. I don't know how much of it is like they're both of their experience in relationships but like she's obviously had this more amicable breakup in the short term than than Harry's breakup because obviously Harry's is a divorce yeah. where she's like left him for another and man he's, yeah, he's just devastating he's telling us <laughs> story Mr. Zero of, knows before him <laughs> and so she's working with this assumption that like the next person that we both hook up will be the transitional person and then we'll like find yes. the one afterwards yeah. and so she's trying the term rebound not been invented yet I, I guess they're not. really stuck to this transitional thing yeah. and I was like okay we can look at when tra- like, there's probably a movie. There's probably called- a movie called <laughs> The Rebound. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there is a film called The Rebound. I'm yeah, but like, sure. is that I feel movie- like it would star Catherine Heigl. No, I think it's Catherine Zeta Jones. Oh, okay. It's okay. a different Catherine. Depends on the ones and twos. He'll find out for us. Uh, but 
Yeah, he... No, that's 2009 full movie. I don't want to download an illegal <laughs> stream. The Rebound, 2009, Catherine Zeta-Jones and yes. Justin Barfer. Boom. I don't know who that guy is. Uh, oh, it's the guy from... Um, National Treasure and The Hangover. Yeah. Oh, him. The, the guy that is the crux of The <laughs> Hangover and isn't fucking in it. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, my wow. God. A doctor confirms that Sandy is pregnant, but it's an ectopic pregnancy and result in a miscarriage. Oof. Okay. But also, dark. like, potential death for the mother. But yeah. Like, <laughs> Let's just skip over that part. Uh, okay. Of course, room by man, of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I... <laughs> anyway. This um, has been our podcast on The Rebound from 2009. Yeah. Um, but Harry, you know, he responds to that, yeah, we can be friends with... I, I think that is where he says, like, I think you're the first attractive woman I haven't wanted to sleep with. And I, I yeah. do like this kind of, like, he's so over her because it's like, we've spent... We've met each other twice, three times at this point, and we've had, like, fairly... Not unpleasant, but, like, it's very obvious that our chemistry has kind of, like, bounced off each other in mm. a very particular way mm. that, like, I like debating and philosophizing with you. I don't think she likes... To... <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I think there are people who communicate through arguing and through, like, debate with me, you know? And, like, they genuinely... Yeah, we definitely don't do that. I, I'm sorry, I'm not looking at you. <laughs> No, but there, there, that is a way certain people like. It's like like the mm. the married couple that Midnight Run is based on, where like <laughs> I wrote the, the the arguments my mum and dad had into the movie. Yeah, yeah, and like it can cause if the other person isn't like that, it can, it can be a big <laughs> emotional burden of like I don't have the energy to always be at this big back and forth level. But yeah, they 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 do settle into. A friendship and, and yeah, yeah I, it's you know. It's the most fucked up thing in the movie the fact that she's forgotten like her roommate or best friend from the university's <laughs> name after five years. I guess. I mean, I remember <laughs> I mean, everyone's names, but like. But I, is that because of social media? No, I haven't seen some of these people in a really long time. Okay. I don't follow any of them or anything like that. Yeah. I try and. I also feel like an eighteen-hour car journey is something that like would make me remember. I remember some of that. Yeah. One on one, at least. I would like to think I would remember that. I mean. Or maybe that's the thing she associates the woman with, as in that 18 car journey. So, like, oh, she's actually more thinking about the guy and what he kind of like, he poisoned that friendship. I mean, we don't know if they were like meant to be best friends, Mm. if they just were like. Yeah, good friends or whatever. Yeah, just lived near. Maybe they were like in the journalism society or something and just like hung out on occasion. She went to the news, she did. Um, that's why it fell down was because yeah. she was like I can't go back to New York my, my, my enemy that joined the news is there the news. I work for the journalism <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, so you know we you know we see them walking through you know the, the, the very lovely autumnal parks and we see them at the museum and we do of course see the iconic scene <clears throat> in the diner where he is like oh yeah I make women come on the regs <laughs> and she's like how do you know oh, I just know and, and I like that his answer is I asked them or like whatever because it's like it, no I think he's just like I know I know <laughs> yeah don't worry I got I've got that magic dick it's fine mine is the one that does it <laughs> but like I, I would say that people who say that would be like literally probably the majority of the women that they have been with would yeah fake it yep yeah yep. once you brag like if you're being loud about it yeah like, definitely bad yep, yep. um. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and and yeah, he gets his comeuppance as she gives the Oscar-winning performance. Yeah, I, 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 I have I have them up. Sorry, right. Yeah. So who are we claiming gave a better performance? Well, obviously the winner this year was Jessica Tandy for Driving Miss Daisy. Solved racism Great. the first time. It had to be solved again in the Green Book, but the first time it was solved by Jessica Tandy. 12 Years a Slave also solved it. They solve it every five years. It's fine. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Isabel Adjani... 
Camille Claudel. Okay. That's the name of the movie. All right. Uh, Pauline Collins for Shelley Valentine. Jessica Lang for Music Box. Michelle Pfeiffer for The Fabulous Baker Boys. I did not realise that uh, Pauline Collins for Shirley Valentine was uh, nominated. That is my mum's favourite film. That's your mum's favourite film. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. None of those women are giving up a better performance than Meg Ryan. In this specific scene. <laughs> IMO. Obviously, it, it it grew to... It almost outsizes the movie itself, this scene. Like, you know, we've seen a million parodies of it. But it's just really good. I mean, that's the thing. It, it's weird to say that, like, oh, yeah, obviously, like, these kind of movies don't get Oscar nominations that often. Mm-hmm. Um, this is nominated for... Screenplay written directly for the screen. Uh, so obviously, like original screenplays, it's known now. Um, I think that's the only nomination that this movie got. But like as Alex did it, said, it, it did not win. It mm. lost to Dead Poet Society. Okay. So do the right thing, and when Harry Met Sally both lost to Dead Poet Society, I both of these scripts are like far more influential. Uh, oh, captain, my captain. Mm. But yeah, like comedy actors don't tend to get nominations. But obviously, as as Alex has said, like Shirley Valentine is up for best actress, which is a a romantic comedy. There is drama, though, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's yeah. I mean, that one is quotable to me, but that's just because my mom would quote a lot of the lines when um. When you think kid. I want to make fuck with you? Of course, I want to make fuck with you. But boat is boat, and fuck is fuck. I do remember that quote, but my mom would not say that one around the house. <laughs> What's the one you want was around the house? It was about a steak for dinner on a Thursday. It's like, on Thursday we have steak. Something like that. I, I can't remember. Wednesday steak and chips. On Wednesday we have egg. Something like that, yeah. It was the original Mean Girls. Yeah. And, and the steak should be... Put, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like it, there is room for Meg Ryan there. Uh, Meg, Meg oh, Ryan yeah. is someone who like... But I, was it because she was too new? Was she, like, had she started in March? She, the Golden Globes the ones that like Ange News. Golden Globes have got yeah. a real hard on for like young, young <laughs> actresses. Whoa there! <laughs> no, I no. Golden Globes fucking suck. Yes. Uh, this is well known. Uh, they take bribes, they take payouts and stuff like that, and they really Where like, like having, Ricky Gervais hosts them. Yep, yeah, and they really like having events where young women are walks around in front of them, and they give them a Golden Globe for best TV series, and never nominate them again. Yeah, sure. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, not for nothing. You can write down and then <clears throat> Sally writes fakes an orgasm at the table. There is a lot of room to yeah. fail especially, there to make a fool of yourself. Mm. Especially because that is like a very intimate thing mm-hmm. to do. And like that is a very full set. And obviously yeah. nowadays you How have to imagine... How many do you think she'd have to do that in terms of I filming? have to imagine it's multiple takes <laughs> to do that. Because yeah, they you... have to have the coverage as well. Because yeah. there's like four different angles of her doing it. There's the close-up on Billy Crystal's face. Mm-hmm. There's the people in the background. like turn... the, the guy who twigs what's happening and turns around and is like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and you got Rob Reiner's mum sitting there ready, yeah. ready with I'll have what she's having in the chamber. Um, <laughs> But, but nowadays you have to imagine there's an intimacy coordinated there and they're kind of going like let's not have too many people who don't need to be here on set kind of thing and yeah. I in the, in the 80s I just have this image of like everyone's there to like watch Meg Ryan go and I'm just yeah. like mm. I, I do feel like inter- intimacy coordinators are still quite rare I mean like love having them I mean yeah. I sound like I've been on a set I've not been on a set but like, our, I feel our, like... our household intimacy coordinator is yes. always on hand <laughs> Okay, um, not my new role. Uh, <laughs> not every actress would have agreed to do this. I don't yeah. think every actress would have the bravery to really commit as hard as that. And she fucking crushes it. Yeah. Like, can you imagine Julia Roberts doing that? 
I could. At a certain point in her career, I could. But obviously, like, not this window that we're talking about. Because obviously, like, even in Pretty Woman, Mm. a movie which you adore. I love that. It's, for a movie about a sex worker, Mm -hmm. it isn't, like, super sexy. I think I watched it in full, Ben. I think I have Notting Hill onwards, Julia Roberts just lasered into my brain, so I think of her as quite an uptight, almost posh woman, and I guess, as we discussed in Mystic Pizza, when she was younger, I think she was a little bit more, like, carefree. And, like, she was a little bit more tomboy and then I feel yeah. like Notting Hill kind of, like, cements her as, like, you are high class. Yeah. But, I mean, she does Erin Brockovich after that. Erin Brockovich is, like, he's that, like, three-year window of, like, uh, of... Mm. Notting Hill, Erin Brockovich, Ocean's yeah. Eleven is like. But I the, think that's the thing is at the time I think I think of Erin Brockovich as like Julia Roberts playing against type, and it's actually more of a return to form, if anything. And I guess that's just the power of like a certain movie, just that that is your image of a, of an actor. But no, like hats off to Meg Ryan for doing this. Like yeah. it's it's silly, it's funny, but it's also like I wouldn't do that. <laughs> like. I yeah. mean, for the right price. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Um, but with the cameras rolling and the multiple takes, and the, here's the director's mum sitting here, like it's a scary thing. Like, but I guess you have to like, if you're an actor, you'd have to get into that mindset. You yeah. wouldn't be like, oh, I'm I'm Meg Ryan doing this. I'd be like, no, I of, am. Oh, of course, of course. Um, she's a she's goddamn professional. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, an but incredible also, scene, and like, no response from Harry. Yeah. Just, just takes it. I mean, he, what can he say? You know? True. Dev- I mean, devastated I, by it. I think I'd be more annoyed if he had said something in return. Being yeah, like, but they don't figure it with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I like it from that perspective of like, you know, he has no comeback. She has shut him up. Like, yeah. No, no return. But like, part of me is like, what do you think the next thing he said was? <laughs> because obviously we go to, you know, I'll have what she's having and we cut away. But like, how do you move on from that? I think he just goes back to eating his pastrami sandwich. Yeah, I mean, just, he, yeah. she just finishes it. I mean, that's what makes it work, is she finishes and then just starts eating coleslaw or whatever <laughs> yeah. she's eating. Uh, the, next thing he's, the next thing he says is probably check, please. <laughs> but then I'm sure they've also paid the check already, because I think it's a deli counter, isn't it? So you go up and yeah. get your sandwich mm. first. And then These you... are the things we need to establish for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> mm. And I guess this is... Is this around the time when they try and fix each other up with each other's friends? Yeah, this is this like the first thing is this movie kind of like hits this like nice rhythm in the middle where it's just here's some friend dates between the two of them. Mm. There's the, the drama oh. is the drama comes from them both running into their ex partners. Yes, um, uh, but, no, she but, doesn't meet. She does she run into? Well, she gets the phone call. She gets the phone call. But before that, we have she didn't want to tell him that she's got a date. Yeah, but, and she's like, I feel weird about it because we've been hanging out so much. Like, no, I think it's great. And again, I'm like, does that bother her? That it doesn't bother him, mm. and does it secretly? And she doesn't him? go anywhere with this guy either because no. it's like she's she Nothing is she continually talks about again the transitional relationship kind of thing. She, she says she's going on a date with a guy then. <laughs> it's the eighties <laughs> in Hollywood movies. It's definitely yeah, lesbians yeah. were invented in 1992. <laughs> Friends invented lesbians, of course. Um, Just, if it was released one year later <laughs> but yeah like it's very obvious that like she's holding out hope for someone where she she doesn't actually want a transition relationship she wants to go straight into like something serious mm. so it feels like she isn't willing to pull that trigger and, and do but, do something more carefree do yeah. something more like the way that the I way that think, Harry has sex I don't think that's her 
sort of personality. No, it's not. And I think that that's a really interesting kind of like thing that happens. And again, it's shown in the scene where they finally sleep together is that Harry is so used to sex being wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Kind of like, like I, I see. You know what your problem is? You want to be held somewhere longer than 30 seconds. What the fuck? Like in he like he his default is I sneak out the house before like they wake up and stuff like that and he's like I can't do it with Sally I have to stay here till morning to make it feel normal and she's being all very cuddly because it's like this is the start of something like we've mm. we've crossed this boundary and now we're like on the road to being in a relationship whereas he's like oh god this is not how I act in relationships and obviously like the revelation is he's figured out that he wants to be in a relationship mm. with her but he's be- just scared yes yeah. uh, but yeah like before that we obviously have. Harry and Sally hanging out in where is it they're hanging out is it what's the store like the, the the bizarre range of things that they've got on sale from the karaoke oh, machine yeah, yeah, yeah. to like a fan hat look it's a singing machine <laughs> like because karaoke hasn't happened yet like, it's we're not appropriating Japanese culture yet at this point ah, yeah. the empty orchestra I just think of the Dean and community was like when he's talking about how he was a stand-up comedian as well, as well. And he's like, I saw what karaoke did, man. It was rough. I was there in the early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're, but they're getting gifts for mm. their friends. For their wedding, yes. Yeah. So they, yeah. They've, they've so had the date. They try and fix each other up with their confidants of, of Carrie Fisher and is it Joe? Bruno, Bruno Kirby. Bruno Kirby. Yeah. Um, George Costanza. Um, <laughs> just, Great mustache. Just, yeah. Wow, yeah. Um, at one point, rocking jorts and and long white socks and brown shoes and I mean, Bill that, Belichick like cut off sweater. <laughs> it's incredible. I do wish, obviously, throughout this movie, there's the you inter- want some jorts. I do want some jorts. Can you, you can give make me some that jorts? If you have a pair of scissors and a pair of jeans, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it, or, if throughout this movie, there's the interstitial cuts of like the the couples talking about their their yes, history of their relationships. Brought that up. Yeah. And you know me, I love a gimmick. I love a little writing, like whatever. Yeah, uh, which which are stories that Nora Ephron found like just going around interviewing like various couples mm. and then giving them to professional actors because obviously you give it to the actors who are portraying them you might get a little bit more authenticity but they obviously don't have screen presence they're probably going to get a bit more self-conscious they might like okay. change the story a little bit and whatnot so you give it to professional actors acting's to... hard yeah, yeah. I mean, if we have one position after 100 episodes <laughs> I think it's acting is hard but I do kind of wish that they got Fisher and Kirby to do one of those because obviously like the movie ends like, with Harry maybe they get one at the end or, yeah. or we go a long time without one we do we get, I... we get quite a lot of them like they it's sort of like you get one you get the car ride you get another one you get them bumping into each other at the airport you get another one and then they kind of disappear for about 45 minutes and I it's just... like, it would be nice if between when those two get married and the end those two got one because I do I do think this movie is like one more scene with them would be really nice because obviously we have this dinner mm. scene which is great because they're having the conversation between the two. Like it's it's Harry is talking to Carrie Fisher, and no one remembers the individual names. No. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I, I should get them up right. What? No, it's okay. But so like, it's Jess and it's Jess, Jess, Jess and Marie. Jess. Yes. Marie. So Carrie Fisher's Marie. Bruno Kirby is Jess. Yeah. So, so Jess Sally and, is talking to Jess, and Harry is as talking to Marie. Yeah, and they, and they're, they're just there's no chemistry. It's yeah. it's like a very surface level conversation. Like it's all pleasantries and stuff like that, and the conversation dies I mean like the two best ones are obviously oh Harry's from New Jersey too and they look you're, at you you're both from New Jersey where are you from where are you from oh cool <laughs> yeah and then obviously the other one is like oh Sally works for the New York magazine as well and then like it's like 
ignored and immediately yeah. onto it. Oh, hey, good for you. <laughs> you just quoted my article to me independently without knowing my name. Tell me more about yourself. Yeah, a little bit of a narcissism <laughs> red flag there. But. <laughs> but it ends with the two of them going, oh, don't I, I might message. I might message them. But like, yeah, they separately not... are told, like, leave it a week. Because Sally is very upset right now. Harry is very vulnerable right now. Like, you have to give it a week before you call each other. And then they leap into a cow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's no second thought. They're just like, don't even ask, like, oh, do they live in the same place? I'm surprised the jorts aren't flying out the window of the, of the I'm cow. I'm surprised the there jorts. isn't a line that's like, oh, he lives on, like, 4th and she lives mm. on 17th or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like it would have ruined that if they had that. I just feel like... No, I, I, again, I do think it's a, it would be a bad choice. It's just mm. one of those things where like, I feel like it's the kind of joke a movie would, would do to underline what's happening yeah. nowadays. Yeah, but like, I think it... You know, the, the Harry and Sally are left together and it's like, it is very clear like, like you are not meeting people in your lives that you have the, the same repartee with. Mm. And like, you may not want to confront the truth of it, but like... You know that is a everyone's different. Like you know, you can you can like people. You can people can be individually great and have no chemistry together, and like they have incredible chemistry with just some random fucking stranger. Like not every two people vibe, and like they keep coming back to each other, and like yeah, they try to set their friends up with them, and then yeah, those two go off and couple up. And they're just still left together, and they're always like, you know, it becomes that holiday thing where like they they have each other for New Year's Eve and stuff like that. And you think there's going to be the awkward kiss on New Year's Eve, but they run just... out of the building before they get to have the kiss. Yeah, they, they have, have they have almost the conversation they, of like they if they do have a little bit they have of a tiny pet. Yeah. yeah, and then when he's comforting her when she's crying, he like full on like yeah. kisses. Yeah. I was like, dude, but like obviously <laughs> you can say you didn't go over here to bang. They it. feel yeah. like they're like a second away from like having the conversation of like if. Both of us are single, single in ten years. Let's mm. get married, kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah, um, but yeah. Uh, so those two get engaged very quickly, and Harry and Sally are looking for gifts. And we get a lot of quick yeah. weddings in this well, movie. Do they yeah, get we got married in two weeks. Or do they buy a house really quickly? Because it, it I think they like move into. I think they move into the same apartment together at the very least, whether or not one yeah. of them owned it previously or whatever. Yeah. Um, but in this store, you know, they're doing karaoke together and then Harry sees his ex with her old ass boyfriend. <laughs> Maybe husband. You're like, really? Yes. Let's not bully people with male pattern baldness. We don't know that how was... old he is. He might be like 35 and he just very unfortunate. It's not the balding, it's he's grey. He is grey. <laughs> I mean, some I've got some grey hairs coming in, like, you know, no shame. But yeah, um, this is devastating to Harry. It kind of fucks him up for like a little while. It's not just like it's awkward and then he gets over it. And then, as you said, Sally will later get. I can't remember what, if anything much happens in between. They, they go to the. Actually, no, the wedding's afterwards, isn't it? It's like they have they've the already slept mm. together yeah. at the wedding. Um, but yeah, they, they she gets. Well, they go to the house to um, help them unpack things. <laughs> the wagon wheel table. Yes. And <laughs> Which which obviously ends with an argument between the two of them, but yeah, Harry, Sally gets the phone call from her from her ex, who's like a real dick move of being like, "I'm getting married," and is like, "Oh hey, I thought I'd ring to tell you." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's actually. like a competition of who does better. I'm just calling you for no reason. How are you doing? Oh, okay. Well, I'm getting married. (laughs) I engineered this conversation. Um, Yeah, then they sleep together. And again, we've already discussed the awkwardness between the two of them of like mm. Sally obviously wanting something more romantic and not maybe not having that casual sex kind of like Mm. gene in herself because she is acting like very loved up in that moment afterwards. 
Um, and Harry, just the eyes, like the panning shot over <laughs> his great. over his body of like Sally eye closed, like snuggling in, and then Harry just like eyes wide open, just like <laughs> she's smitten, and he's just staring at the ceiling, like, like, what did I do? How many seconds more? <laughs> yeah, and I think as you said, like he recognizes that, like I think this is part of it of like assigning roles to genders of like this is what women are for, this is what men are for, and he's like. Well, I can't treat Sally like that, but I'm also not going to stay here and fucking spoon her and nibble her yeah. earlobe or anything. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to so. say reject the offer of drinks. I'm going to like we're not. It's not like we're going to order pizza and like hang yeah. out like nothing happened. Yeah. But also, do you think he's freaking out because he's fucked up the friendship and maybe he's worrying about that side? Well, because obviously that is his like philosophy, isn't it? It's like men and women can't be friends because they want to sleep with each other. And, and now like we, this person who's been to believe saying, that, you know, he's wrong, but technically at the end he ends up being right on that aspect, yeah. like because they not do end up. Um, <laughs> I don't know part of it is like he genuinely doesn't know how to play although he got married so I mean surely he didn't do this to his wife like the mm. first time they slept together he must have at some point he did say they fell madly in love yeah. I don't know I, I want to believe some part of it is like he just genuinely doesn't know what to do so his instinct is to run but like he's trying to out some respect for her stay but then like it's not very respectful to just fucking sit there and like give her the it's not really the cold shoulder but he's giving a very short response yeah. and not really he can he doesn't have to like go the whole hog whole hog again like Ruffalo's whole hog <laughs> um but he can meet her halfway on some yeah. of this like he's not having to commit to marrying it, her on the spot but he yeah. can be like yes I'll have a drink and like yeah we can watch something yeah. like, it's what I really like about this movie is though is that back to the point of like Harry ultimately being right about men and women not being able to be friends is this movie is willing to be naughty and complicated and you're able to read a lot of emotion, different levels of emotion onto these things. The characters are likeable but they're not morally pure. Yeah. When is the moment in the film where Harry realises, oh, actually, I do want to be with her? Is it at the wedding or is it... I think it's when he's wedding? had a few weeks of her being cold to him and he just misses her and his life kind of thing yeah. uh, that's why some part of me finds it all a little bit not as nice of an ending as it maybe mm. could be is like it does feel a bit like he's just he's decided he loves her because she's being mean to him kind of yeah. thing <laughs> but um, it's weird how like that final scene that speech is seen as like one of the best scenes in rom-com history here are a list of things that are kind of false but I love them again about. she's yeah. like I'm, I'm willing to overlook you. who you are like, as a person another another word that exists after this movie obviously is negging but like she yes. literally said like does the definition of negging where it's like you do this thing <laughs> where you say something that on the surface seems positive but is in actuality an insult yeah uh, I do think they are more positively worded at the end like I love I love the little dimple you get on your forehead when you're like mad at me I love like all your those different he would see it a lot he's infuriated <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like the wedding is like they don't ruin the wedding. I like that they do trying to get away from it, but it's very obvious that like, well, the scene where they walk back into the wedding and fucking like, rude. And yeah. Jess and Marie are just like, if only it, it's a good thing that we have two really fucking ugly friends I'd who be have so pissed. <laughs> cool, like, thanks guys. What happens if your maid of honor does that to you? <laughs> What well, my maid of honor, or I'd be maid of honor to someone. The person you're the maid of honor to, who if she was maid of honor at your at our wedding. Well, and I did that to her. Or she turned around and did that. 
I'd be so pissed. I'd be like, great, that's my self-esteem gone through a room of roof. <laughs> gone through the roof? Gone, yeah. It's made you more confident. <laughs> through the floor. <laughs> yeah, through the floor. You know what I mean. Mixing your metaphors. I know. Yeah, so like he, she's just trying to like get through the day, not cause a scene, you know, let's go outside if we're going to talk, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But she, she's still like... Oh, you... Kitchen stuff have so many good stories about these things, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I imagine working in one of those places where like they've got a big industrial kitchen and people coming in to have arguments. It's just like, theatre. <laughs> <laughs> theatre is happening. This makes the minimum wage go down smoother. Um, <laughs> they don't have a minimum wage in America. It's tips. <laughs> True, fucking hell. Fix your country. Anyway... <laughs> Yeah, and like he plays it all high and mighty. Like I didn't come over to your place to sleep with you, but like I, I am he initiates. That. Do you do you think he was in the back of his mind? Is there a like a thing where it's like mm, she's emotionally vulnerable? Something could no, happen to her. I, I would hope he'd grown out of <laughs> yeah. that. But like, I do. I think he kisses her in a very romantic way, like twice, and then she makes out with him. And like, I don't think he did. Yeah, I think it's he'd... yeah. It's hard to say. Yeah, but yeah, I I do like that when the movie leaves these things understated or unstated to like let you make your mind up. Like you can read it either way. You can read it as like the bad way and it makes this movie a lot more horrifying in this ending stretch, or you can read it. And in this the is way... when we turn it into a horror. Yeah, exactly. We re-edit Stalker. it a little bit and it becomes a, a movie about a man who will not take no for an answer. <laughs> in cell and XL, neither knowing when something's okay. <laughs> yeah. So like you know, she's she's like look. We, we're not going to talk about this right now and yeah we, we can't you know she's like cold shouldering him out mm. of her life a little bit and she's going to stuff like she's dancing with people and like yeah well it's the New Year's Eve party isn't it mm. and like he's just by himself and like he's bored of Dick Clark so he's wandering the streets of New York on New Year's mm. Eve it's incredibly deserted which which I, makes no sense especially if it's Dick Clark on New Year's Eve I think they're all on like one particular street or like all in one location no or do they not film Dick Clark like I think they tape it I feel they yeah they do tape a little bit of it or at least all the bits I think the bits on the street are live and then the bits in the studio are like pre-recorded I know I, th- I thought he he's was out like, there yeah. yeah he's like somewhere but yeah he rushes in just as she's trying to leave and he makes his grand declaration I do like that they miss midnight you know like mm. some films would have feel the urge to have him say right it just in time for them yeah. to kiss at midnight and everyone's kissing and celebrating around them and he begins his speech and surprisingly well sound mixed was my, my takeaway of like they're not making an effort to make it sound suspiciously quiet given everyone around them is you know really high energy like there is crowd noise but you can hear him and he is yeah he, he reels off all the things he loves about her that you know it, it is a little bit neggy but um. <laughs> and then I pointed out that this is the first and last movie of this miniseries both start with Old, old Lang Syne yep The Shining The Shining does end <laughs> with Old Lang Syne yeah. so it's a yeah. fun little full circle moment for the podcast yeah. uh, and she says I hate you I hate you I hate you and then they kiss yeah yeah. that's exactly how it was for us yeah, pretty much. You hate me so much. Why don't you kiss me about it? Um, and that's that's when Harry met Sally, and then they get their little um, bit on the couch. Yeah, they get. I, the it feel, I would feel like this is the kind of thing that, like, maybe f- like thirty, forty years later, someone would go like, "We should do a sequel to this," or like do a check in with them. Yeah. Like, if <laughs> if Red Nose Day was a thing in America in the same way it that is. it is in the UK. I think they have it tried is, to... But yeah. they, they've tried to get it over there, but obviously you've got things where, like, in the UK we'll do things like... I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Right? I if, mean, they could have done it during the uh, pandemic because Rob Reiner was... Um, using Princess Bride. The, yeah, but no reference, Bride. obviously, 
died by that yeah. point. I think he wouldn't he wouldn't touch those characters without her. Without her. Well, around. I mean, he could have gone to her daughter because her daughter is also in directing. True. I I do think that there is a level of sanctity between. Yeah. Like like he like if the last time this could have happened would have been nineteen uh, yeah. two thousand nine. And sometimes you don't want to ruin something that's already great. No, no, no. But it's just like I just think of like what was it they did a couple of years ago where they did like they did a sequel to Love Actually, didn't they? they yeah. Did Love, yeah. Love. You see that kind of thing. Yeah. Red Nose Love Actually or whatever yeah. it was that they did and like that that feels like and they like... did Four Weddings and a Funeral as well yes they it? did both yeah. of those or they'll get some soap opera people to come back and do one more scene or yeah, yeah there's always that kind of thing like and I like in the in the little in their little testimonial their vox pop whatever you want to call it they're talking about the wedding cake and he's saying how important it is for things to be on the side yeah and it's like he's kind of embraced her way of like it's gone, from, it's gone from something he like <laughs> criticizes about her to like, yeah, no, you're right. This is but, how it should be. But also, like, does that mean that that cake wasn't like frosted? Or oh, I don't know. <laughs> how would it all stick together? Well, that's because they say like the chocolate sauce on the side. I'm like, right, I get that you wouldn't want to drizzle chocolate sauce all over a wedding I don't know, cake. Like a nice but is this like a guys, naked you coconut can argue cake? Argue about your wedding cake <laughs> off mic. I think that's one of the only things that we've actually agreed. On, uh, we haven't agreed on all the flavours. No. I think it would like, be like a five layer and then each layer would okay. be different. A lot apparently, of people are doing like three tiers, yeah. three flavours. Apparently we're shitting money. <laughs> <laughs> I want a good cake. Nothing else. Just the cake. Just the cake. Cake's Small always... venue, big cake. Yeah. No one actually eats the cake at a wedding though. I ate three pieces of cake at my brother's wedding. <gasps> nice. Because I got my own and then like two separate people were like, make sure Matt gets this. So I got brought more cake. <laughs> we, um, we went to a wedding... Earlier this year, Earlier this and, year. Um, basically they were, the groom was like, "Oh, um, you're not gonna." There's one layer which is just for me because it's like it's really sticky lovely. toffee pudding. Yeah. It's like made by my favorite like bakery. This yeah. is incredible. And so like there's like a chocolate layer and like a Victoria sponge layer, mm-hmm. and then there was this sticky toffee pudding right. layer. So I like grabbed a chocolate piece and a Victoria sponge piece, and I was like, "Cool, these are our pieces to eat on the train home because like we've been drinking and we're a bit at the train yeah. home." Took a bite of the chocolate one. I was like, "Oh shit, I got a bit of the sticky toffee." <laughs> Took my precious. Yeah. And I guess that's the movie. Anything we haven't hit there that you want to. I was going to say what film or TV show references how Met Sally? Because I feel like it's done in Ted Lasso, I want to say. I think a lot lot of them. I mean, I can see whether or not there's a list on the website. I feel like I've seen roughly 200 things where a guy says all these sort of on the surface insulting things like these are the things I love about yeah. you though like I, I do remember that scene in Scrubs where um like uh, Turk hasn't written a speech for like the research uh, the yes. rehearsal dinner and oh and like, he gives the exact yeah. speech <laughs> he's pissed <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, really it's really a long oh, referenced it yeah I'm on the IMDb page for referenced in uh, and there's a lot of stuff it's a lot of TV shows more than anything yeah it feels TV like, and a lot of them are like parodies in like ske- uh, sketch shows uh, it's a VHS visible vi- uh, it's a VHS visible in misery um, which is a fun one wow. I think How I Met Your Mother would have done yeah I'm just trying to get to like the more modern thing. ones that's a lot that's 2000 a lot. Uh, in Monsters Inc um <laughs> In the in the charades trailer, Mike guesses when Harry met Sully uh, <laughs> as nice. a title. Uh, it's a fun one. Apparently, it's referenced in Scooby Doo. Um, I think it's like I'm just a, a man, like all like, about the sandwich. Matrix Reloaded has a reference to Harry Weird. met Sully. Apparently, oh, is it the orgasm cake? Is that I, what they're going I for? Yeah. Are that are they, is that the argument? I mean, again, this is IMDb. Merv's chocolate cake. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Scrubs, we've mentioned. Yeah. 
Ratatouille has a character say, I'll have what he's having. <laughs> uh, just, yeah, a lot of things. Like If you go to IMDb, yeah. there's just a whole list of things. Uh, yeah. That's not a reference. 30 Rock, Let's Stay Together, mentioned by Rob Reiner. Like that's the thing is a lot of the a lot of the references are all I'll have what she's having or I'll have what he's yeah. having. As I say, like like the scene. Community advanced Dungeons and Dragons, I'll have what Fat Neil's having. Mm-hmm. And then also another community episode. Is... As Annie is enjoying Jeff changing his shirt in the hallway, a female student walks by and says, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> it's the yeah. same reference made twice by community. Yeah, you, yeah. but you gotta do it three times. Uh, like, Origins of Vampire Mythology, is that season four? Is that season four? Origins of Vampire Mythology. Oh, oh, that's, so. oh, that's the one where. Oh, that's a great one. Uh, Britta's ex is called Blade, and <laughs> she's like, "Can you make sure I don't text him tonight?" That is a great. And episode. they're all like trying to stop her, and she becomes a monster. And Troy, <laughs> Troy fixes it by texting her something nice from what she thinks is Blade, and then she immediately gets over it. And then, like, she later realises Troy did it. And, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah that's a good one. That's I don't great. remember any Harry Met Sally in there, but... It's, yeah, every single reference I'm seeing at this point is all... Oh, that's where she takes... He takes his yeah. shirt off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's... in the outtakes, he hit... There's a woman walking past him as that's happening, and he, like, hits her in the face. Genuinely just scrolling, scrolling, How? scrolling. You'll be here forever. It's, yeah, it's... someone's, like, written all these references. That's... Yeah. Impressive. IMDb is a, a scary place, but yeah. also IMDb is one of the things I think I referenced it like a little while ago, where people do like the the weirdest conducive reasoning in the world on IMDb trivia facts, where it's just like mm. in this scene, a man and a woman are talking together, which is a reference to Adam and Eve and the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this has been been our Harry and Sally episode. I think all that's left is kind of the our, our rankings of the oh, movies geez. that we've discussed this this volume. I think we'll stick it to a top ten. Okay. Um, do you have any like you know you've seen what we've covered this this year? Yeah, but I think I need a list. <laughs> all right, I mean, you just want to do ten? Just do ten. Okay, I spent forever swapping the thing and Back to the Future back and forth at one and two. Okay, I've landed on the thing at number one. <sighs> That is my number two. Okay, I went. I went. The thing. Back to the Future. Die Hard. Broadcast News. Uh, Breakfast Club. Shining. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Robocop. Karate Kid. Ghostbusters. Is that ten? I think that's ten. One, two, three. Yeah, that's ten. That's ten. And then Akira just missing out on eleven. Yeah. So my eleven is Die Hard. Just <sighs> missing out on ten. Uh, just wrong. So it's, yeah. it's Back to the Future ten. We're home at Sally nine. Why is it so low? <laughs> It's not, it's the top 10 movies that we covered of this. Out of 25. Out of 25. Harry Met Sally at 9, Robocop at 8, Midnight Run at 7, Gremlins at 6, Raiders of the Lost Ark at 5, Shining at 4, Broadcast News at 3, The Thing at 2, and Do the Right Thing at number 1. Okay. I do not have to do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's higher than the David Lynch movie, which uh, is... Yeah, Blue Velvet is last. <laughs> My last is, of course, the three-star special Mystic of Mystic Pizza. Pizza. <laughs> I have it second last. <laughs> Anyway, I can't believe you've got Karate Kid and Top Gun so low. He can't be. He can't be reasoned with. Um, <laughs> what, so what, what's what's your? I mean, obviously, Back to the Future and Die Hard are two of your all-time yeah. favorite movies. Broadcast News is definitely up there. So is the Thing. I, I think Breakfast Club would be quite high. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to rewatch the Terminator. I I think yours would look a bit more like that. <laughs> I think it would. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I see who has the better taste. In <laughs> now who's the intensity coordinator? 
Um, I mean, I'm just remembering now the, the last time we did a crossover superhero pantheon where the question was like, Ben is the arbiter of the tastes of the real world. Yeah. And I got given four opinions from various people on the network to, to judge. Uh, maybe yeah. that should be your job tonight. Annoyingly, Ben allegedly has no hot, like, bad takes. I think we found some just there. In your, <laughs> in your feelings on, like, Back to the Future and Breakfast Club yeah. and Die Hard. But. Both Die Hard and Back to the Future are in my, like, top five for their respective years. Just That's the, not good enough. There's a lot of good movies in the 80s. <laughs> it's not good enough. It's been a fun volume. I, I, when we put the 90s list together, I was like, that's a hell of a fucking list. This is going to be fun. We're talking Jurassic Park, you know, all this sort of stuff. 80s also very good. Yeah. Um, I think probably the least arguments we've had. <laughs> yes, I think... You gave me Blue Velvet, I gave you Mystic Pizza. And Blue Velvet was definitely more contentious than... than... We knew what was happening there. Like... Mr. Pizza, I enjoyed... I had a good time watching it's Mr. Pizza. It's very okay. But like, <laughs> I, I've never had a movie in the, the history of this 100 episode where I've come away going like, Matthew, you've given me like... A bad movie. Mm. I, I don't think any of the 100 movies we've covered are bad. You do think that some of the movies we've covered are bad. I think is the, is the main difference between <laughs> one, one the two. two of them. One or two. Uh, but um, that's, that's just, 100 episodes. Justice for Empire Records. Though. <laughs> um, yeah, 100 goddamn episodes. I know. Oh, just of this, we haven't done the maths on how many episodes we've done together. Because obviously Pilgrim was mm. 100 originally. We've obviously done... 74 episodes as well as Marvel at this point so it might be nearing 200 you also have like all the TV show ones as well we didn't well we only did Marvel in between we got Watchmen we we didn't do anything between 2010 and 90s that's a lot it's probably closer to 200 yeah we're we're barreling close to 200 we might even be at 200 after we do the end of phase 4 it's going to turn out that like Mystic Pizza was 200 (laughs) (laughs) I'll do the maths and we'll we'll know but I do think we'll probably hit 200 in 2023 maybe during the Marvel podcast this year maybe maybe. Um, Um, which which is what's happening next as you know this is normally the time of the year where this podcast goes back in the barn for a year it's probably going back in for a bit longer I think we will maybe bring it back one day in the very near in the very far future I think if we brought it back it would be like 2027 because it will be like 27, 28, 29, 30 as like a run so maybe, like maybe. four years at a four to five years at a minimum it goes in the barn yeah. the, the, the lists have been made it's just do we do them but not in the near future so at least a few years off uh, as Ben said the next time you hear us it will be Ben and Matt's Marvelous Journey we will be talking all of the 2022 MCU things uh, back with Moon Knight starting strong <laughs> Does that mean I have to rewatch that with you? No, I will do it whilst I'm watching work. You're, I'll stick on the you, you, you are adjacent to the sickness. You don't have it. We <laughs> we must do these things. Um, I don't know. There's some films like Ben will be like, oh yeah, I really want to watch this one. I'm like, oh, I want to watch this too. And he's like, yeah, we're watching it tonight. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I have plans. Yeah, I there was no, a, a table bang there for that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you want to hear us talk Marvel a little bit sooner, then I think we're coming back like February. Yeah, February. I think we're aiming at the moment to come back just in time for Ant-Man and the Wasp in Quantumania, yeah. just to kind of draft off the SEO because Marvel have not confirmed when Secret Invasion is coming back at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, coming back, coming on in general. It might be January, but I think Ant-Man and the Wasp aim for the first movie. Yeah. Uh, but if you want to hear us talk Marvel before then, we will uh, be... Well, by the time you've heard this... It should be out. It should be out. If you only if you only want to listen to us talk about big boy movies, <laughs> you might not have seen the crossover with superhero pantheon, uh, where we will be ranking all of Phase Four and Three and Two and One of the MCU again. 
Again, but this time, this time, the first time that we're doing all of Phase Four, yeah. uh, this is a complete time that we've done this. The last three times have always been like we ranked the movies mid Phase Three three separate times. Yeah, I guess. Whereas this is the first time that we're coming yeah. in at the close of a close of a phase. Yeah. And then, uh, in terms of, you know, because the Marvel thing is obviously very limited, uh, there, I guess there were nine projects. No, I don't know how many things there were this it's year. It's about eight this year, or seven or eight. Yeah, so a limited a limited run on, on Ben and Matt's Marvelous Journey. Uh, we have been spitballing some ideas for some other miniseries. I think probably shorter than there will be movies, but longer than Ben and Matt's Marvelous Journey. But we'll confirm that when we do Ben and Matt's Marvelous Journey. There is a, a significant non-zero chance that one of the movies that we covered in this volume has like triggered an itch that needs to be scratched uh, more significantly and you will figure that out uh, later on in 2023 yeah. I think um, and if you want to hear more of me solo uh, Jerome and I are doing a top 10 movies of 2022 in January time because we have currently have we've compared our top 10s and we have no crossover whatsoever yeah. so that'll be a fun discussing 20 movies kind of thing but Matt doesn't have yeah. to sit there on that one unless he wants to and like moderate the conversation like he did in the Oscar cast way back or I haven't seen any of the Oscar <laughs> movies and then I made them pitch me on which one should win and I picked one uh, and they both hated Arrival and then we did Arrival years later and I loved it Alex and I will be doing a newsroom podcast obviously um, all three seasons yeah. yeah oh man I will try to fix you uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean this is normally where I say Ben will there be movies but I don't know if I want to ask now that the answer is no but Ben one last time I want to throw this to Alex Alex will there be movies what's your pithy remark I feel I feel like there could be there could, feel, be. There could I, be you live with me so there will yeah. definitely be movies in your future. you have to fake a movie <laughs> <laughs> I'll have what she's having <laughs> bye everyone <laughs>